Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me Episode 18 Earth Tube Cooled Mulch Dome Build-Out, originally published April 15th, 2022. I'm getting a little extra intimate with you tonight because I am slightly more inebriated than um, I normally allow myself to get with the homebrew honey wine mead experience. Um... I'm still trying to figure out the perfect physics of um, pouring only half of the the honey container, which is good for two batches, about a gallon each. And um, I will eventually discover the exact perfect point to get evenly matched two batches out of out of one of the honey containers without um, favoring one or the other batches. But uh, I always have to um, adapt to some degree to how potent one versus the other might be. And... Uh, I will admit that I failed. <laughs> I failed to get to that 50-50 balance with this batch. So I'm a little extra a little extra inebriated and I don't normally record any thoughts um in this state of mind. So this is a uh it's going to be a bit of an adventure. And um it's not just well there's a reason why I'm even deciding to make a transmission at all at this moment and it is that um it's an important occasion to honor and acknowledge the shifting of the seasons and now in a way for me that is uh, more visceral and life and death razor's edge of survival than ever and it is in the in the in this time of global weirding it's hard to say that uh, yeah we're we're in springtime now. We're in um, daylight savings time now. We, the days are getting longer. 
temperature is gradually increasing. No, the temperature in a lot of places and also for me has been off the charts, um, unseasonably off the charts. And uh, I don't know what to make of that. This is my second year here at this site. So comparing it to the only previous year of my own personal biological almanac that I have, yeah, I, I was feeling the ears melting out my brain temperatures the other day, the way I felt already last year in August, the ho the hottest month of the year. So knowing that the ice shelves are melting off and there's um, barely precedented high temperatures in the poles of the earth, I took the hint from last year to say to myself, I got to double down on the what Carter Thomas would call the pain trade and shave off crypto to rebalance into very prudent preparedness budget line items and um, I would like to think that I spent the cooler months wisely by putting my best effort into installing a very painstaking and arduous earth tube system which would be one of the humblest and least extravagant and most praying for it to work um, sort of um, experiment and what earth tube technology is is um, I don't know exactly the most ancient origins of it but people have been doing very interesting and, and, and very um astounding appreciable things with um, trying to naturally cool their environments in deserts and um, according to Bill Mollison the canonical permaculture design course if you will it's like you have two options you can You can establish underground dwellings like all the other critters do to survive the summer heat in the desert. And that is one strategy. And an alternate strategy is to, if you dare to dwell above ground in a desert, is that, you, that it would behoove you to install what is now... Um, sort of popular, well, 
the the searchable term is earth tubes which is a system that again I'm 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 curious to know more about the deepest roots of this but it is the technology of running tubes pipes basically underground at a specified depth for a specified length that varies based on your climate and um, you're leveraging the power of a an average an average sort of static global um, earth temperature below below ground which is if I understand correctly, it's generally above freezing and generally um, significantly below the hottest temperatures that sort of bake the surface of the planet during the hottest months of the year. So you have um, some range of of um, of temperature in the soil the thermal mass below the outermost surface of the soil which is which is basically buffered by the extreme cold and hot temperatures throughout the year so some intelligent folks at some point established this technology of um, fun piping air underground so that you could take the hot air above ground and I believe either or both by forcing the air through the tubes with some form of a electrically powered fan or blower system and and or a, a, if I understand correctly a sort of um, thermo siphoning of gravity which I'm not I'm not gonna tr- I'm not gonna dare to um to go into the physics of that now but i do have flashbacks of the pdc where it shows how if you install these underground earth tubes pipes underground that they will well cool we know cool air uh is more dense and it will drop to the lower point so if you're able to capture air at a higher point on a landscape and then run them down slope through buried tubes or pipes then you should have a a a yield of cooler air at a lower point that's that's i know i know there's much more uh advanced physics than what i'm explaining here but i do just recall that that was one that was one prayer that i had do i have enough slope to create this sort of um effect that would be that wouldn't require me to have 
a noisy, energy, um, hungry fan or blower that is a point, a single point of failure that I would have to create redundancy for. And it would, and it would just be something that where I have to have nightmares about, oh fuck, if this works, but then the electrically powered fan or blower fails, am I just still going to be cooked alive (laughs) because I don't have enough slope. So I'm in the experimentation zone with all of this and um, I've seen it and felt it. I have felt it in my bones, the effectiveness of the earth tube, natural, shall we say, low energy or relatively sustainably energized uh, fan-powered earth tube system. And so I should give you some visualizations of this. I'm not going to quote the depth or the length, but I will say that I referred to the tutelage of Bill Mollison, the canonical PDC, and the... um, the permaculture global or permaculture news, basically the what what has now become the 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 Jeff Lawton crown prince of permaculture canonical uh, web portal for the permaculture movement to look up the specifications so that I know that uh, I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna blame them if I fail and die and, and and dry up and turn to dust. But I will I will want to, for my own peace of mind, be able to say to myself, I'm going to do, I'm going to use the specifications as per these experts and, um, and hope for the best. But of course, everything goes out the fucking window with these bizarre temperatures on the planet. So It's a big ask. It's a lot to ask for me to survive the next year uh, slightly more comfortable than the last year. Long story short, I committed a sin against my zero plastic religion and I purchased plastic drainage pipes And I dug shovel-wide trenches that I could barely fit into at a three-foot depth for over a hundred feet in sand and rock. And And I spent the cooler months pacing myself to dig out an epic trench so that I could lay down this um, this this uh, unperforated drainage pipe with a basically a a, a right angle coupler at both ends of that 100 plus stretch of pipe so that 
there could be a protruding several feet of pipe coming out upslope that I could connect to my solar, my very humble and very um, very minimalistic solar powered system and I could put attach a fan at that protruding um, vertical several couple feet coming out from from the surface of the ground so after I backfilled that trench the pipe now is connected all the way underground and it's sealed up with whatever two feet eight inches give or take of sand and uh And there is a solar-powered fan at the upslope protruding end, which I have tested, and it sends a cool-ish breeze down through that length of pipe into what I what I finished it into, which is a underground dome temple (laughs) that is uh, I guess I'm doxing myself if you have satellites that you can see this from space but um, I'm more concerned about survival than I am being doxed by satellites right now so the system, the experimental system design that is like the incomplete Death Star right now is this adaptation of a playground dome, a, a 10 foot wide by 5 foot high $200 steel buckyball dome that's um, too short for me to stand up in unless I dig down beneath the surface dig down beneath the surface the level surface that it that it sits on and then I can stand up if I dig down into it So it is underground. It is to match the level of the three foot depth of the pipe. I have assembled the half buckyball dome, playground dome, so that. I'm somewhat buffered from the wind and somewhat buffered from the heat. And then I have this pipe that is not as not as ideally cool as a um as like a 
the AC that we would blast in our vehicles, but it is colder significantly than the ambient temperature. And I tested this <laughs> on a day that uh, felt like it was as hot as um, as it would be as it's gonna as it was last August. So, you know, I had the premonition having survived the heat of last year barely that um, I'm not going to design to that heat being a peak of heat I'm going to design to that to that being the, the lower end the left side of the bell curve of heat that could last however long so I better life and death I better dig my ass off to install this thing and pray that it works so that as the temperature rises, I can go in to my little humble dome playground structure and insulate it as best as I can with mulch. And that is a experiment unto itself of what is the R factor of the insulation of wood chip not not wood chips um but more like what's called a, a forest floor mulch where it's a very diverse um very diverse size and and granularity of um of woody material shredded and chipped together so that you have basically a a very um to me it's a, well they call it it's forest floor mulch is what the the company calls it but um is it's as as equivalent as you can get to real natural um forest floor hum well the um yeah when i think about wood chip mulch I I don't I I it kind of it kind of turns my stomach because what I what I like to see is is this very diverse um diverse spectrum of dust and and shredded material and then and then the bigger pieces of um of sticks and whatnot. And so anyway, I'm very happy with the product. I've used it for years and uh and it feels blessed to me. And so it just light bulb goes off in head. And I say to myself, I've already have, I already have experienced successfully using quarter inch hardware cloth to secure from rodents and scorpions and snakes A, a garden built out of the same uh, the first dome playground dome covered with a quarter inch hardware cloth mesh that was my first um, experiment with this very affordable dome that I that I have to um it's a ninja obstacle course to get into the dome from the way that I set it up because it's only five feet tall. I can't stand up in it. I have to 
open a hatch and slide into it and close it up before critters follow me into it. And then I'm secured into my little miniaturized uh, bonsai food forest. And I do my gardening and my harvesting and, and all of that good stuff in there. And so I've had the experience of um, the success of this very pliable, very um, very forgiving quarter-inch hardware cloth, which I believe it's the half-inch hardware cloth, which is not as pliable and, and, just, and just is far more of a pain to work with. And it has its application, and it's perfect for what it's most applicable for but when i discovered the quarter inch hardware cloth it was it was a revelation for me um anyway that but uh anyway <laughs> if you're not a if you're not a homesteader yet um you probably won't appreciate hearing about this but i will tell you of all of the discoveries of my life it is on the top of the charts because of how you, you, you know chicken wire quarter inch hardware cloth chicken wire is is um even gopher wire there are critters that can rodents that can squeeze themselves down to the size of a dime to get through anything and I've had devastated nursery um, heartbreaking devastated nursery full nursery you wouldn't call them crops yet but um, nursery stock that was just decimated by one of one or more of the rodents that can squeeze themselves down to a dime-sized profile to get through gopher wire, chicken wire, etc. So, and then and then working with the quarter-inch hardware cloth, it's so rigid that it's great for when you need it for that purpose, but. If you can get away with the quarter-inch hardware cloth, it's 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 night and day how how uh, the utility of it for wrapping around things and for um, not shredding you <laughs> and bleeding you out to death before you can plant anything and subsist on it. So. Yeah, I I got some nicks. I got some a little bit of um, scratches and scrapes with the quarter inch hardware cloth, but it is uh, it's a little bit a little bit more slightly more forgiving, slightly less injurious, and with a lot more f force multiplication, <laughs> um, and its in its utility being so pl uh, pliable. And, um, and and lighter and um, I wouldn't put any poultry I wouldn't secure any poultry with it 
knowing how uh, voracious the appetite of um, predators can be, I think they would they would break their teeth off if they had to break in through it because it is it's not it's not the most um, it's not the most secure or the most um, It's it's a step down in the, the 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 gauge of of the wire of the wire mesh, so I feel confident that it will keep most rodents out. They're going to give up on trying to bite through it, but bigger predators, I don't want to. I, I wouldn't put poultry behind it with bigger predators, and I haven't. And I'm I'm I'm. I've done poultry before and I'm at a stage now where I feel like um, it's not appropriate yet under the circumstances. Save that conversation for another day. But I'm just here singing praises to the quarter-inch hardware cloth. (laughs) And um, I hope you're bearing with me because mostly what I'm doing now is I'm... I'm borrowing your graciousness to prevent myself from being sucked into the black hole vortex of the the spins from from having um, a little bit of that extra potent honey wine mead right now. So me staying at this level of consciousness and verbosity is keeping me from um, suffering the spins. So that's why I'm going to... <laughs> <laughs> a little geekier permacultureness than normal, but I dare say it is worth taking note of the the gift to the permaculturist that quarter-inch hardware cloth is. So moving, going back to the um, the semi underground earth tube cooled bucky ball dome situation, I have applied another treatment of the of that hardware cloth to that semi-submerged dome. And I'm in the process of mulching the dome (laughs) so that eventually all of that forest floor mulch organic matter will someday be mushroom food because when moisture is applied to that supply that 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 um, that that product the product of civilization which is a diverse and a very rich, diverse assemblage of um, woody material that comes from 
arborists in the city who were trimming trees and grinding stumps and avoiding this product is not a bunch of um, urban green bins filled with dog shit and motor oil and um, and lawn chemical spray (laughs) herbicides and pesticides the premium material that I purchase which is worth every penny of its premium value is their their promise is that they're basically they're shredding and selling the 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 mulch material of um of landscape arborists and landscapers that are with some degree of scrutiny they're being they're being inspected so that they're bringing in loads of um tree trimmings and um bush trimmings and they're just giving all the giving all of those landscaping clients their squared off and like bizarre totally <laughs> edward scissorhands abnormal um maintained disorder as bill mollison would say tidiness in landscaping is maintained disorder so thanks to all of those um all of those who rich and middle class and where everything in between and whatever else governments schools whatever i'm not gonna demonize the clients of landscaping because they're they're uh near and dear to my heart they they they're they're um patronage to to my artisanship is what has got me to this point so i i I praise them all but the um in this ecology this economic ecology i'm more of a decomposer um a scavenger so i appreciate that there is this magical a beautiful blessing of a out, output of the system of cities which is the um, the stream of organic material that comes from the above ground plantings the the shrub layer and the lower and upper canopy layer and when those tree branches get too close to power lines and when those shrubs start to not look like squares anymore they start to look a little bit wild somebody (laughs) calls the hoa police and then i show up with my crew of landscapers or i'm whatever i'm i bring my crew or i'm hired on a crew and we will come and we will we will provide the emergency service of making your squared off suburb or your squared off mansion um, meet the HOA standards. But the beauty that the wink, wink, nudge, nudge thing is that not only am I getting paid, 
but I'm also extracting value from that waste stream that would have and often <laughs> end up in a landfill but me and my greeny comrades we're we're extracting that value from the waste stream and turning that mulch into I, ca- I call it borrowing the borrowing the mulch to create new forests fungus is the teeth of the forest and a forest grows on fallen trees those are some permaculture mantras so I can't explain what happens in me internally when I feel and look at and work with and play with what I feel to be dank mulch and um, I know it's loaded with mycelium waiting to unfurl its magic when you just add water I worship the magic of I don't know why this is so hard to say He explains that mushrooms know how to make their own water. That basically they can... Basically, no, there is no basic to this. They can synthesize water out of molecules that they're surrounded by that are not water, but they're potentially water. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm going a little bit double fucking triple rainbow on this, but I can barely put into words what it feels like. to be a facilitator of mushrooms rearing their beautiful heads in the wasteland of a fucking desert. (laughs) And knowing that that means that I have given birth to the beginnings of an oasis. If a mushroom can bless this desert growing out of 
wild, growing out of wild mulch. And all I had to do was assemble these elements and keep myself alive. Keep myself fed and watered and sheltered enough so that the the byproduct of my survival is that a forest is born. It's worth more than any NFT. I've given birth to a lot of um, a lot of wild mushrooms and a lot of mulch, and it never felt this, it never felt this way. It never felt so precious. I took a picture of the fledgling mushroom cap heads coming out from the barely consistently hydrated mulch in one of my <laughs> one of my little garden planter boxes that I built out of the ruins of the old homestead stick frame house that I salvaged. I took a picture one day and then the next day 
They did their thing. They were withered corpses of mushrooms. And, and that was it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time waxing poetic about the beauty of that, um, that very transient cycle. They come and go. They do their thing. And beneath that surface of the fruiting body of the mushroom is this orchestra tapestry of mycelium that is infinitely multi-dimensional beneficial support for the health of the soil and um, we would be nothing without it so it's a good thing to worship (laughs) it's a good thing to pay homage to So silly me, (laughs) I thought to myself, do I want to go out and get, do I want to go out and replicate the failure of whoever was dwelling on this land before me, where they leave a toxic legacy of the shrapnel of petroleum-laced roofing material, and it seems like it was old enough. There's <laughs> there's not a lot of worse, horrible things that I'm digging out of the ground. Some sort of like particle board material is probably the worst. That, but but it, it feels like um, when the wind blows out here, these deserts, these uh, sandstorms, I don't, I'm like... It's just a shower of um, petroleum-laced roofing paper material forever. But I know that the mushrooms will eat them. <laughs> I know that the mushrooms will neutralize that those toxins. And um, it's just a matter of time. So I'm not afraid of it. But I think about um, imposing a stick frame home filled with uh, fiberglass and foam sprayed insulation which is just destined to give people cancer while it's off-gassing and definitely kill them instantaneously if it ever catches on fire and that paradigm of toxic housing that I'm trying to avoid and escape I say to myself I'm going to play the odds of breathing circulated air that is uh, in contact with um, 
with the cycle of um, composting organic matter. And uh, from my survivalist training, it's called building a debris hut. And if you build a debris hut in a temperate forest, you're going to be exposed to a litany of fungal materials. And if you're if you're healthy, your immune system and the natural normal functioning of your lungs will prevent fungal uh, infiltration and fungal um, infection of the lungs. There are exceptions that I'm aware of. I'm not giving medical advice, but I will say that, um, yeah, if it's between me gambling with the health of my lungs by (laughs) living in a buckyball dome debris hut that's covered in mulch is it my mycelium tomb well time will tell (laughs) it's pretty dry in the desert it's not going to be as chronically moist as um where i grew up in the northwest where I i would have a totally different strategy but here it's relatively bone dry so I was contemplating, oh, I better I better put a tarp on this. I better build plastic into this design so that it doesn't just get soaked and then start molding and then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be be dead in here. And then I, I, I had that as the design and then I realized right as an emergent property I, I arrived at the conclusion that um no nah, I'm going to gamble it. I'm going to risk it. And I'm going to say, if I have good airflow, this thing breathes. I'm not living in a Ziploc bag. There's airflow. It's relatively dry. If it if there is a major rain, <laughs> and I'm out in my emergency greater than 100 degree temperature semi-submerged mulch insulated (laughs) dome hut then um, I will be grateful to be rained on if there is a summer rain and it will kickstart the growth of mycelium at a deep level in that uh, in that mulch insulation layer and um My gut and my heart tells me that my my lungs will be able to to th- to maintain their integrity and it's and it's I won't be in there all the time I won't be there year round and I hear angels trumpeting when I when I stick to my religion of shedding the fucking plastic and say to myself, no, don't build in a tarp, 
don't fasten in a tarp or some plastic or some layer that's going to be, it's not going to breathe. It's going to trap moisture in. It's going to trap those pathogens in. No, if I can have a fully breathable, dense mesh of mulch insulation that will only get rained on probably maybe not ever again in a thousand years some of the some of the droughts on record have gone a thousand years probably more that's just one figure that stood out in my mind i'm like damn you better are you ready for the thousand year drought better store some water and i'm working on that more and more uh but uh but yeah <laughs> thank you for joining me on this journey of appreciating the magic of mycelium the magic of what a little bit of moisture can do to kickstart the mycelium magical process and uh if this is the last, these are the last words that my lungs <laughs> are able to produce because I get inundated with black mold from my debris hut <laughs> experiment, then um, so be it. Better than getting hit by a bus. And blessings to all those who have been hit by buses. But I'm willing to go out like that. And, it's, and I say to myself, you know what? When my lungs can't fight off debris hut, dank mulch fungal infections, then it's my time to go. And I'm willing to live, I'm willing to accept that fate. I don't know what the fungal spore uh, factors were for cave dwelling hominid ancestors millions of years ago. All I know is that Survival 101, they teach you to build a debris hut where you're taking off dank forest branches, limbs, uh, stuffing up um, all kinds of uh, forest floor duff to, to lay on for insulation. and It doesn't seem anywhere near on the spectrum of lethality that it is to have uh, all kinds of carcinogenic petroleum-based paint, carpets, furniture, insulation, or uh, roofing. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play those odds. And uh, I don't look down on anyone who is in that carcinogenic paradigm. Hopefully, well, mushrooms will eat all of the devastated, toxic, carcinogenic paradigm housing. And, um... I'm happy to let Paul Stamets take the lead on that research and I will 
borrow that confidence and, and build it into my humble designer ecology.